0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I am on part seven, I think, of, Michal's not here to tell me, but I think it's seven on, the question the Holy Spirit asked me today, um, we're on our our Oculus Prime Um series called anointed to demonstrate the supernatural i actually had a little flat slide for that too i think um but as we continue on i i'm i'm helping us uh, move into a little spiritual gift talk but whenever the holy spirit started talking to me about anointing um he told me the first thing he told me which you know it's been several months now was that we had to learn about boundaries with our anointings. And so I'll be talking some more about that. But the question the Holy Spirit had for me today was, do you want to be anointed? You know, I think it's, it's interesting because when I think about how God designed humanity, He designed us to know and acknowledge all the things He has made for us. You know, think about it. The sunset and the sunrise for God or you. <laughs> Come on. It's for us. Yeah. It's for the planet dwellers. Yeah. Yeah. He is the sunrise and the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. So think about things on the circle. I call earth the circle as you live in it. Did you know some people used to think this thing was flat? That was a shocking discovery, wasn't it? <laughs> to think you know when you're driving along in your horse and buggy you're just going to fall right <laughs> off the edge that's kind of makes you feel nervous right and then you realize that the sea just never ends so you can tell that we've discovered that's why those early guys were called discoverers you know Christopher Columbus set out for one thing and discovered another thing when we're setting out remember I talked about the redacted the discovery I promise you, if you will just continue to advance in discovery, be curious, you'll discover things you didn't even know were there. A lot of times God sort of throws out a little carrot to say, hey, you want to know about this? Kind of piques our interest. Have have you ever had that happen? But then what happens is as we pursue it, we just discover something else. And I just love that. And so... When he, he gave me the answer, he said, well, do you want to be anointed? And he gave me a really quick answer. He just said, well, do it my way. And so I, would, I propose to you that we're all in this generation discovering more about how the presence of God wants to operate on the earth. I mean, how many of you grew up in a church where his presence was doing what his presence was doing here today? It's probably really rare for most people, right? I mean, I was fortunate, you know, that we would have moments like this. Really rare, though. And the whole, when the Holy Spirit came to me and He said, I wanted, I want you to make a home for my presence, it was what I read there in Psalms. It began to be what I crave every day, not just a, an event. Remember when? if any of y'all are very old, we used to have conferences and revivals that were somewhere we would all be searching. Did y'all do that? Search for, I know Jaretta, she would just search the world over. We've been to Michigan, to Florida, and it was within her the whole time. So she went all over the country. We moved to other states uh, all in search of the thing that she actually carried. And so when, when I realized that it was really about stewarding the thing that was already in me, that's just a different thing than going somewhere to have an event. Right. Right. Agreed? Yes. And so I, I think it's really important that we learn to steward what we already have to where His presence has activity every day. I... I think one of the ways that the anointing is um, even caught or its importance is elevated in our life is by watching those who are anointed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's right. You know because it's you you know whether you carry it, you know whether you operate in it and you know whether you want it, whether you more, want more of it. I like in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul said, so imitate me, watch my ways, follow my example, just as I too always seek to imitate the anointed one. Yes. Yes. So it got me thinking when Paul said that, what? who's the anointed one? Jesus. Jesus. And so if I'm going to carry the anointing, I have to carry the awareness of what jesus carried yes. mm-hmm. right don't you agree yeah. you know if um if you go into certain businesses they carry a an identity i always like to use chick-fil-a have you ever been to chick-fil-a and they didn't say at the end my pleasure have you ever i mean i can't remember time why because it's part of the language of the culture. The culture they've made, they chose. It's not like when you eat chicken there, you just naturally say that. You don't like, so like when you eat the sandwich, you don't say my pleasure. It's a culture they created to give the customer that they value an experience of consistency. They could have made up any other word, right? And see, the kingdom is the same way. They modeled that business out of kingdom principles. If you really know their roots, they modeled it. So that's really what Paul's saying. There's a way of the kingdom that we're meant to model, imitate. Without us even knowing it, we probably didn't have the knowledge of it, we... Now, imitate things that the culture we were raised in did. Yes. and and as we develop healthy families of tribes, of communities, of people, we begin to say, well, in this culture, that thing that you had in your culture doesn't fit you know my number one book that everybody goes through when they first come, or my desire is that they go through. A learning about the culture of honor that Danny Silk wrote, rhyme, because that's my desire that everyone in here operate with a culture of honor. Now think about what culture you were raised in. And everybody, listen, my viewpoint is is that everybody just did the best they could do, but now we have new knowledge, we have new education. We we don't have, and I believe we don't have an excuse anymore because there's, there's not lack of knowledge. I mean, YouTube has every subject you can imagine if you want to grow in it has every book everything and so what happens is that when we come into the kingdom and if we weren't raised in the kingdom we bring with us baggage from our previous culture agreed and most everyone um weren't raised in the culture of honor And so it's hard when you begin to try to implement things of honor with people who don't know how to honor. So someone, you know, right now there's just sort of a movement, I think, even. Oh, Sorry, I feel like I could just fall down. There's a movement even in here of God trying to transform us from peacekeepers to peacemakers. Now, what's the difference? A peacekeeper is a people pleaser that says, I don't want to rock the boat. A peacemaker sees that what you're doing will never provide peace for you or a culture, and they're willing to confront it. The confrontation doesn't have to be ugly. See, if we don't get due do definitions for the different things that God's called us to, then we'll just avoid doing them because we don't want to look like some... In a culture that's not honoring, confrontation is ugly. Whoever can be the most angry. Whoever can be the loudest. Whoever can say it the most. Right? That's a language of a culture. And see, heaven's got a language. And... In this language, it's promoting what Paul is saying is that is the qualities of Jesus. And part of stewarding the anointing well is that I have to steward the qualities of Jesus even if I don't feel like it, even if it feels hard, even if it stretches me and it causes me to put my little temperament, my personality in a straight jacket or create boundaries. That's why the anointing rests on those whose awareness of Him is above everything else. Once your awareness of anything else gets in your eyesight, the anointing wanes. Because the anointing is about what the Holy Spirit wants to do that imitates Jesus. So if you have anything else in your eyesight, are you with me? Anything else in your focus, you're not beholding him, you're beholding something else. And see, that's, that's the tension in this society is that we don't know how to behold him very long. We behold him at home enough to feel good or enough for what I think I have time for, but, but not enough to change me. And depending on how much of your old culture you can't take with you, and everybody knows it, maybe your language used to be more colorful in your old culture. Maybe your big descriptive words were, you know, the colorful, non-godly kind of language. Well, in the new culture of honor, you don't get to use that language. It means something different. And God will hold us accountable for when we do that. And, and that process of changing that, though, means I've got to elevate over here what God says is holy, what God says is right. And I've got to deal with what over here makes me feel like that that's the only language I know. And, I mean, you can use language or you can use habits, whatever you want to be. I'm just saying those were all just things that we developed in a different culture. And you know, uh, Sybil and I have been talking, and she's going to be doing some fun parenting classes for y'all, and and it's going to be really fun, you know. And but I was just I was just thinking about that's the first thing is that as a parent, you've got to develop new language, you know, because we we just we don't have the language of kingdom parents. We have the language of whatever. Whatever we saw in our parents that we don't want to be, that's our language. Oh, I sure don't want to do that, and I sure don't want to do that, and I, oh, I don't want to do that, right? So we're, trying, we're more in defense, we're in the defense mode. I'm trying to not be something as opposed to being what he made me to be. Every parent is anointed by God to be a parent over their children. No one else will parent your children like you will. You know, when Aubrey began to own that process, then he began to show her who her children really were, as opposed to just trying to keep them not from being afraid. You know, it's just like yesterday, I want to tell a fun little story. Mimi, she, this is Mimi, by the way. Raise your hand, Mimi. And um, Mimi has, Roly is her little memester. And uh, and so she goes and gets him for breakfast on the mornings that he has lessons with who's he he's with you now um so he's learning to play the piano in fact that's just going to be another commercial shoot he's going to give you here in a minute um and so they went out to eat and so mimi is she's generous and so they're eating at the big biscuit have you been there yet (sighs) (laughs) i'm really not a foodie but i talk a lot about food don't i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he began to ask her questions. He said, "You know, Mimi, last time we came, <laughs> you left a you left a really big tip, and it it's like it made him uncomfortable." And I know I'm not telling the story exactly right because I'm trying not to be real climped. But anyway, they were talking, and and he he decided he was going to leave the waitress a tip yesterday. And so he said that he was going to leave her $20. And so they sat there for a little bit and he was like, well, maybe not 20, maybe 10. You know, you know, I said that, you know, time, you know, that's why, you know, financial stuff has got to be acted on immediately because here we were just, you know, waiting on the, and then he got down to five and he got down to, well, never mind. But it was great because Mimi said, "Rolly, let me help you. When the Holy Spirit moves on your heart. You've got to yield. She said it in Roly language. And so she said, just ask the Holy Spirit again. So we went back to the Holy Spirit. It was it was really the twenty. Well, what was really cool was the lady came over the table and Mimi introduced Roly to the waitress. And so they began to talk to her. And she began to tell them how skeptical of God she was. But she was engaged to a guy that was a Christian, but she was kind of an atheist. And they just kept talking to her, and she began to cry, began to weep. And so, of course, now the excitement about giving is even greater, right? So they went out to the car and really turned to Mimi, and he said, I'm pretty sure her mind has been changed. See, it's just, it's just that's a culture thing. That's our culture. I remember when Lenny didn't have enough money for dollar pizzas. That's a culture thing. It's a culture that says when the Holy Spirit moves on prompts my heart. I don't look to see what I have. Well, unbeknownst to all that, Cece's in her room yesterday, and she came across a bag of coins and the Holy Spirit said, Phew, just, Phew, I like how you breathe. Why don't you, you give that bag of coins to Rolly? So she came to church last night, and she asked Roly and Ollie if they had piggy banks. Of course, Ollie said, absolutely not, because you have to have money to buy a piggy bank, because he just knows, you know. <laughs> but Rolly had this to say, I do have a piggy bank. I have a treasure chest. Now, what I do is I save my coins. Now she didn't know this. And I take them to Walmart and I want, he, he told the whole story, watch it go down. The, and then I take the bills and put those bills in my treasure chest. So see, that's a culture thing. So while the Holy Spirit's breathing her for her, it's not anything. It's just a bag of coins. Well, So of course she tells me and Sidwell. And so me and Sidwell said, we well, got coins. So now really he don't know it, but he's going to have a big bag of coins because why? Because that, that, That prompted movement of the Holy Spirit. See, what you don't understand is that when you're giving on one side, He's moving something else that you don't even know. He's always going to do that for you. That's why you can't outgive Him. Giving is the activation. It's not just money. Giving is the activation for the Holy Spirit to advance. Can you think of it as just, just something waiting in line? When you let go of this thing, the next thing moves up. When you let go of that, the next thing. It just has to keep moving like that, constantly moving. And so these are culture things. These are things in the culture of Jesus that we operate in without thinking. Or eventually you do. You know, when you're an orphan, you know, Heidi Baker tells a story about when the orphans come in, I started to say Mexico, but I think it's further away. Mozambique then they're poor, very poor and she says they have a refrigerator stock full of pop and she said these orphans will come in and they'll grab they'll go she said she'll just say these fr- these pops are free you can have all you want anytime you want but they don't know what that means so they go and grab pop and put it in their little pockets to walk around and yeah the, to walk around because why they don't know they c- they can go any time they think that might run out and see that's the proof of whether we're in an orf- orphan culture or whether we're in the kingdom culture and it's really learning the culture changes my identity it changes what i do and so let's let's look at hebrews 1 i want to read you this cool verse this verses it says, throughout our history, this is Hebrews 1, verse 1. Throughout our history, God has spoken to many of our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, turn to your neighbor and say, this is you. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us, openly in the language of the sun, right? Have you ever learned a foreign language? That's my one regret in life: is that I should have learned a foreign language. I'm too old now, but um, with every language, there is um, inflection. There are ways that we describe things that mean something from our culture, right? And see, what God is trying to do on the earth, he's trying to transform hearts so that they then live from the language of the Son because that's the language that God speaks. Now, I love the passion. It says, um, God speaks in Son, Like if you say, do you speak Spanish? He speaks son. Jesus is the language of God. It's the sonship of Jesus is the language that he now uses to speak to us. So that tells me what? That tells me when he speaks to me, he speaks to me as a son. Like he would speak to his son because he speaks son. So if I hear his voice and it sounds like condemnation, it's not son. When it sounds like you're not enough, that's not sin. That's a real easy way to distinguish if I am listening to the language of the Holy Spirit or if I'm listening to another language and another language makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. Right. And so, this is this is exciting because see, in the old days, in the Old Testament, God did it line upon line. He did hear a little and then he did hear a little. It was just, it was kind of like one of those old timey typewriters where you'll type along and you, did you ever, have you ever typed on one of those and you go zing and you go down the next line? That's the way he used to speak line upon line, zing, line, zing, line. Now that's not how he speaks. Now he speaks from his heart as a father to your heart as a son. That's the way God speaks. So he's always going to speak relationally yes. that's why the religious spirit doesn't work because yeah. the religious spirit uses some other language what language is it condemnation yes. yeah. can't do enough got to work for it it's the language of work so it's the language of the enemy mm. Yeah. Mm. so this should help us when we're thinking about I'm actually wanting to be anointed so I've got to learn this language of the son yes. because that's the only language God speaks. So he doesn't speak through lies or condemnation. I don't even need to spend any time searching out whether something, where a lie came from. I don't have to do that if I don't want to. I don't have to pray like I'm shouting at something to obey me. See, all of that is language. If I know who I am, if I know I'm a daughter, and I know that I'm called by him, and I know that he said I can do these things. See, that's why I have to go to the word to see what he says I can do. Jesus said simply, let's let's read it. Let's go over to... Uh, Hang on. I have a bunch of scriptures. In Matthew 16, Matthew 9, Matthew 4, Matthew 19, Matthew 10, John 10, Matthew 8, all of those are Jesus saying one thing, two words, one thing, follow me. Now, the one thing he said was, if you want to follow me, You've got to take up your cross. What does that mean? What was Jesus's cross? Come on, this could be really good for you. Come on, come on. Just act like you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this little talk we're having right now. Don't get all hung up. What's Je- what was Jesus's cross? Mm-hmm. What was his calling? Right. What's your calling? What's your calling? Think about it. What's my calling? Excuse us use me. I'm, ap- I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an apostle. So why is that a cross to bear? Because in my generation, there is no one, in, when I was a kid that said, Teresa, you're an apostle. That became a cross because God told me something I was before someone affirmed it. Before someone validated it. Yeah, right, that's good. That's I promise you, if y'all ever could go this deep, Come on. God spoke it over you when you were a little kid. Yes. Yes. And because it wasn't validated, yes. you exchanged it for something less. Yeah. Come on, just look a little deep. Can you see it? Yes. And see, that's the beauty of the language of the Son it's because as long as you're doing that secondary calling, it doesn't, you don't have the experience of anointing. And see, God is still speaking the thing that he puts you here for, even if you can't hear it, even if you don't believe it, and he'll keep speaking. He's a hound of heaven. Because he can't relent from what he said you were. He can't relent from what he made you to be, even if a bunch of people said you were something else and didn't validate you. And then by the time when you begin to say, well, I might be something outside the natural box of, you know, that the... Enemy right now is doing a great counterfeit of what God's awakening is. God's awakening is is that sons and daughters are going to be in relationship with Him and they're going to hear the language of the Son and they're going to know their identity. The culture is saying, you can be anything you want. Don't let anyone put a label on you. And I'm thinking, well, God's got all kinds of labels. A son's a label. A daughter's a label. And when I just bow to the culture, I avoid actually experiencing the relationship of identity. It's in this relationship with God. As I behold him, as I spend time forcing my soul to look at him for long periods of time. That's what we were doing this morning. I mean, while, while I'm, having this great experience with him and having this forgiveness some random thought goes flying through my head it happens for everybody but I refocus I may have to refocus 4 billion times in a 10 minute segment see this is what we do we just like we're like I'm gonna be Oh, I mean like it's a whole 10 seconds or something and then we're off over here in the troubles of this world. And why doesn't this work right? And why does that person say that? And why did they do that? And why this and why that? A bunch of whole bunch of questions. I've lost my ability to behold. And so, guess what happens? My problems become my pursuit. I've got to solve these problems. I've got to pursue answers to these problems I'm having. I've lost my focus. When Jesus said, follow me, he was out in front. Have you ever followed anybody? I just do this exercise all the time. Lynn's the best follower. If she says, I'll follow you. That girl is on my butt. I mean, we are, I mean, boom, boom. we are driving through traffic. She, she will not lose me. She will run a red light. <laughs> I just fluffed that story for fun. I wanted you to laugh a little bit, so. Why? Because it's just in her nature to follow tight. Yes. Where other people are like, meet you there. Want to go some other rando way? See, in our nature, we have a hard time following for a long period of time. And guess what? The language of the kingdom is forever following. The language of the son is, follow me. Lay down your cross. Deny what someone said you were going to be. And follow me. That means I can follow him even though I feel like i got a cross I'm bearing. (laughs) Listen, can I help you? There's not going to be a day goes by that there's not something irritating you. There's not something bugging you. Something is too much trouble. Something is too hard. I'm teaching your personality because those are the things that get in the way. If your love language is touch and you hadn't gotten any touch, that's a cross for you to bear that day. All you can think about is what could I do to get me some touches? See, those things that are languages of the culture, I mean, that's great. I love to learn all about love languages, and I teach it, all about boundaries, all about all this stuff. But really, truthfully, when it comes down to it, if I can strip away everything but just have the language of the sun, everything else is great. We just make it so hard. I mean, he even said, I love it in Matthew 8, he said, let the dead bury their own dead. Now see, that had to be an analogy, didn't it? That had to be a metaphor. How can dead people bury other dead people? Right. It was a metaphor. Do you get it? My paraphrase, let me give you my paraphrase, my yeah. Teresa 2023 para- paraphrase. Yeah. If a bunch of people want to live like a bunch of crappy ways, yeah. let them. Yeah. They want to invite you back into their way of living, into their triangle of victim, rescuer, bad guy, let them. But I'm not because I know my purpose. See, my, my purpose calls to me in the middle of the night when I, I'm not even standing up in front of anybody. All of my dreams and my visions of myself are trying to stand up and compel people to believe. Hoping someone gets it, someone runs with it, someone is life-changing enough where they can have passion to do life great. That was an opportunity for all of y'all to cheer right there. It's too late, that was a golfer. You know, I, in 1992, I had, I got my first life verse. I encourage all of you to find your life verse. I'm not going to give a dissertation on that today, but basically in the word of God, every human being has a verse in there that is about you. And I was in Japan visiting a friend of mine and I just opened the word to Isaiah 58 and this is what it said. Your people, so that told me already I was going to have some people. Yeah. You're my people. Yeah. Your people will rebuild long deserted ruins. Building anew on foundations laid long before you. Mm-hmm. Ancient wells. You will be known as repairers of the cities and restorers of communities. So that became my DNA. And see what what attracts you to me is that you're a repairer too. You're a rebuilder. You're tired of seeing all the ways that hurt people hurt people. You're, you don't. You may not be totally free, but you want to be, because why? There are people, are cities, right? Communities, are tribes. There, there are things that are broken down. And you desire for it to not be broken down, yes. right. but it's not enough to just desire it. That's you know when I realized that people didn't even know how to fix nothing. Yeah. You know I always have said that our uh, design business is a metaphor. You know right now like there's this movement like our business is on this app called Square. Is it Square? A uh, Square Public Square, Public Square, and it's it is people rallying together that are good businesses, that are wholesome, that are patriotic, that are Christian businesses, all kinds, because why? It's imperative right now that we support. It's imperative right now that we support kingdom businesses. And see, that's part of my DNA is that I have a business and I have a ministry and they parallel each other. As I can teach people that they can repair stuff, it's the same way that they repair their life, one little nail at a time. See, we want. I used to. I used to have this guy I did ministry with, and he would want me to sozo him. And this is what he would say. He'd say, "Let's just hit a home run this time." And I'd be like, "Well, yeah, I'm just. I've been doing base hits all this time with you." What was he really saying? One and done. One and done. Let's just do a one and done. And I was like, but salvation doesn't even work that way. Healing doesn't even work that way sometimes. Have you ever known that you knew that you knew that you got healed from something and then it came back? See, that's the same thing. It's working, just like working out your own salvation. Your healing is the same way. It's about what I believe. When I lose sight that I'm healed, the pain came back. I lose sight of what He gave me, it's just like, it's like he gave me this Kleenex, he gave me healing, and I'm like, oh no. What, what does the enemy do? He just steals this right out. That's it. Yeah. And then the same thing, how many have, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many just have those reoccurring things that are just, you just keep having them? Whether it's a physical ailment or an emotional thing. I said this to the team yesterday, that one day we'll wake up and realize that God has this language and he gets to speak it to us any way he wants. He gets to say to us, "Hey, remember when you were there? This this person's coming in next Tuesday. They're going to have that same thing. Why? To prepare us, because he's just good that way. Instead of us like going, I have no idea what's happening. Who's kind? Of, I have no. No, you've got all kinds of emotions and feelings. You've got all kinds of discernment. You got all kinds of gifts and operation to what to be utilized to follow him." And so, since that's my DNA, since 1992, now, everything up until then, when I read that verse, my entire life made sense. I remember the very first time I ever counseled with a girl, I was 11, and her father was sexually abusing her, and she came and told me. Now, I had zero tools. 11 years old. The next time someone came to me, I was like 14 or 15, and she told me she had just been to the doctor and had an abortion, and she was the same age as me. Still, zero tools. Those two events shaped me. After that thing happened when I was 15 or 16, I said, I will never be here again. I will never be, and that was the day I began to search out a matter. That was the day that I started the road of discovery. How can I help people? How can I help bring healing? I realized she wasn't going to be the only girl I talked to that had an abortion, and she wasn't going to be the only girl I talked to whose dad abused her. Why? I was targeted by what? The Holy Spirit. He allowed me to experience my destiny before I had the tools to navigate it. And I promise you, he did that for all of y'all. If you can look back and see it, he did that. Because it's in you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And see, every it, it, at the end of days, we'll be divided into these two camps. Those who knew we were hurt and became bitter. And those who knew we were hurt and became forgivers. Yes. It's going to be those two camps. Yeah. Because all have sinned. Mm-hmm. Since all have sinned. Since all have the capacity to sin and all have sinned. All people hurt people. Yes. I hurt people. Yep. I hurt people yesterday. Come on, but it's not my intention. And so I have to learn from the things I do that don't work out in the relationships I want to manage. So that I want to have. Yeah. It's the same way with God. Are you with me at all? Yes. Yes. Are you sure? Is this yes. good? Yes. So see, when you think about it, okay... I think I'm attracted to one life because the DNA of one life is being a rebuilder, Right? right? So that means that that's a discovery for you today, maybe. And so how are you going to rebuild? See, here's the choice. You can just rebuild all the stuff that happened to you. And we tend to want to do that. Because see, that's a focus. It's like, I know what that feels like. I have extra empathy for that. But is it what he said you were going to do? Sometimes the things we're healed from have nothing to do with our destiny. They were just an injury in the way. And so when I begin, this is part of the anointing. He will only anoint what he's called me to do. So I don't get to make up a bunch of stuff and then say, I want that special anointing. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says this. You can read, I love Isaiah 61. The mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me. Who is this speaking about? Who's Isaiah speaking about? Jesus. It's in first person. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's another lesson, but that's interesting. As a messenger to preach good news to the poor, he sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives, you're free. And to tell prisoners, two different people, captives and prisoners, I know it sounds the same, be free of your darkness. So what does that tell us about Jesus? He was a prophet, priest, and king. I'll give you the answers. So since he's those three things, so are you. Wow. Prophet, priest, and king. Now, you know, I'm going to be talking about the gifts, and so don't be nervous about that word prophet. But... This is what it says. It says the title of Messiah is taken from the Hebrew verb to anoint. Messiah means the anointed one in both Hebrew and Greek. Isn't that cool? It says this is the introduction of Jesus's jubilee ministry. What does jubilee mean? It's the year of freedom, right? All your debts are, yeah, have been forgiven. We're talking about forgiveness today, right? I love this. It says, the first three verses of Isaiah tell these things. It opened the door of the day of grace to to the world. Now, why did we need that door open? Think about it for a minute. That's the ministry of Jesus is that now we don't have to live under the covenant of the law. I don't have time to explain that either. I'm so sorry. But now we live under the covenant of grace. That's all you have to know, really. Now, grace is not the license of sin. It's not the cover up of sin. It's the power yeah. to not. Yeah. And I love the word it says. But even if you do, because why? Because God knew why He made humanity with this ability to choose. Right. Right. That's so important for you to understand, and it will actually help you parent and lead better. To realize everybody has choice. So. Yeah. You want to be able to develop in people's hearts the desire to choose. If it's just about a bunch of punishment, that's just a religious spirit. And so this opened the door to grace and it proclaimed that there is going to be a day that vengeance would be done upon sin, sickness, darkness. You're living in that day. Jesus won victory. He had vengeance over sin, darkness, and sickness. That's what he did. Salvation is for sin. Healing is for sickness. And the keys of authority are for darkness. And that's the language of the Son. That is what God said Jesus would be. So if Jesus lives in you, that's why it's so important that it's not a prayer. It's a, it's a decision of lordship. It's a decision of who I'm following. It's a decision of who's in charge of my life. It's a decision of rank. So when I decide that he's that, now I may have to pray every day, forgive me. That's part of the language of living in grace. I get to say, please forgive me today, and it's free. I don't have to go out and kill nothing. I don't have to go, I don't have to it's 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 a belief within here that he's still Lord. And so when he's Lord, then all of these attributes of him are mine. In fact, I am I am meant from his perspective to act just like him on earth. He designed humanity to be that conduit. That's why he doesn't live here anymore. That's why the power of the plan of Jesus is so powerful because one man could do something that would then put within your DNA the ability to do what he did and more. So, as a prophet, he came to preach this season of grace, this new season of grace. That's really what we're supposed to do as prophets. (laughs) 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 That's what a prophet does. A prophet isn't about doom and gloom. I like to prophesy with my mouth. You're about to intersect with something out there called grace. It's going to mess you up. Grace messes you up. Because we all would rather just work for it. Oh God, give me a 10-step program. I'll be real faithful to attend it. Because I don't want to have to think. I just want to go by this road. See, that's that's what the... That's what the old time religions were. They were just rote rules that you followed that had no power. Grace is power. And so as a prophet, you are proclaiming a new season of grace. Maybe you need that personally today. Maybe today I'm in a wilderness season myself. It's crapola. But listen, it's rough, but I've been in a wilderness season before. And guess what's on the other side? A new promised land. Yeah. And so, see, you've got to be willing to go through the wilderness with grace, yeah. not griping and complaining. God gave us the example of the children of Israel doing that to tell us what not to do. Yeah. None of them got to go. Yeah. They couldn't go to the promised land because their words cursed the journey. So be careful, little words, what you say. And see, if you hear something coming out of your mouth, because it's in the abundance of here that we speak, I would check it. I would say, well, why do I always say that over that? What am I trying to make happen with those curses? As a priest, he came to heal. That's why we can I just feel like that is <laughs> what That's why we can. Yeah. You didn't even know that when you were young. Y'all thought God, how many thought God used sickness to give us a little bit of training? What else? What's the rest of y'all think about sickness? Just the natural course of life. We're all just going to be sick. Well, then why did Jesus come to be a healer? What's the point? I mean, if God made people sick, then man, that'd be mean. Jesus, come and be the healer, and they'll just make it. So you'll have an activity to do, Jesus, every day. Just you just have an activity every day to just heal something because you just no. It's an identity. As a king, he came to decree and herald peace and freedom to the captives. Who's captive? Tessa said it today. When he wept over Jerusalem, he was weeping over you. He was weeping over the days that you were in torment where you didn't know you could be free. Do you remember those days? I mean, a lot of you in here were suicidal. Why? Well, who wants to live like this? It's a bunch of crapola. But see, when you begin to taste freedom, you're like, I don't know. How, how do I get more of that? Remember when they first came out with Krispy Kreme donuts? We thought we had died and gone to man of heaven. The, do you remember that day? I mean, they used to wait in line for two hours for a Krispy Kreme donut. Do you remember? Does anybody remember that day? Only the donut lovers. They they what we got, We got to taste mm, mm, that hot Krispy Kreme donut. Here we are on food again. See, that's what happens when you get a taste of freedom, and then you hear someone talking that's not free. There's no junior Holy Spirit. This eight-year-old grandson heard the language of someone saying they weren't free. Because yeah. Yeah. there's no junior Holy Spirit. Right. So the moment he heard it, the girl hadn't even said it yet. He heard it in here. That if I just give what I have, it's going to release freedom to her captive heart. And what did he do when he got to the car? He said, He prophesied grace over what he gave. Her mind's been changed. He didn't go. He's eight years old. Probably went on and picked a booger later. Who knows? Because why? There's no junior Holy Spirit. He just breathes on whatever has the most childlike heart. Because it's the language of the sun. You know, it's like I said the other day, you know, I just commend Bailey because she realized as a shepherd of her little sensitive little melon child who has this tremendous call of God on his life, that she had to put him in a place where he could be shepherded differently. Remember what I said last week. Parents, you're responsible to put your children where they can be shepherded. We, as spiritual parents and natural parents, we've got to breathe on our children and say, where do they need to be shepherded? I commend Alicia, Alicia because she said, well, these girls of mine need to be shepherded. I mean... Shudy loves these two girls like, I mean, she's talking to me about them all the time, trying to make plans. What can we do? She, she, why? Because she needs to shepherd them. She needs to bring them in. She needs to love them because she has love to give to them. Because why? She's a prophet, priest, and king. She's experienced the language of the son. And so when she sees somebody doesn't know this language, she has to breathe on it. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, uh, no. Don't do that. Uh, No, don't think that. Why? Because it's it's a new language. They didn't know the language of the Son. No one has to care because now someone does. You see, that's the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Pam's going to come and lead us in communion. And I wanted to finish my part with this one scripture. We're going to talk about it next time, next Sunday, I think. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Cheryl, if you want to go ahead and grab communion. It says, now it is God who establishes and confirms us in joint fellowship with you in Jesus. So, see, I know you thought you found this place all on your own. But you didn't. You didn't really have any part of that plan. You were just actually aimless is really what you were. And you just ran into something. That tractor beamed you right on in. In a joint fellowship to what? To put you into Jesus in a new way. Who has anointed us, empowered us with the gifts of the Spirit. Aren't you, aren't you excited to learn about the gifts of the Spirit? I oh, mean, if you could just spend this week telling the Holy Spirit, man, I don't know what all these packages are. Man, I know there's stuff in me that I don't know what they do. or Are these mine? I don't know anything. But if you'll just teach me, yes. if you just become hungry Come to on. be taught, be in that discovery. It says, it is he who has put a seal on us. And it it's he who has certified us wow. yeah. as his. Yeah. Put a stamp, bam, stamped your mine. That's what Shooty did. She said, that in the bay, it's my, bam, that madly, it's my, bam. They didn't even have a say. They had a stamp, <laughs> bam, bam, mine. So when she's at home praying, she says, "They're mine." Devil, you cannot have them. They've already, I've already marked them with the love of God. They are a target. Oof, wouldn't you want her to target you? And He has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts, hearts, as a pledge, a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise over our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is it's God saying, you have a promise, and I'm going to fulfill it. Come on, Pammy.
1: Thank you, Tisa. We're living in the language of the sun right now, aren't we? Mm. You know, today when I was praying about communion, he told me two scriptures, and they're, they're very similarly related to each other. Um, one, the first one is Matthew 5, and I think what he's trying to say is, how in tune are you with your need of him? That's a really good place to be. You know, on the Sermon on the Mount, the famous uh, teaching of Jesus, the very first thing out of his mouth was, are you acquainted with your deep need of me? Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy, a person to be admired is the one who is poor in spirit. Those that are devoid of spiritual arrogance. Those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, now and forever. And so I kind of just wanted to start off with that as we're talking about receiving communion from God who's given so much in his son Can you allow yourself to have need of him? You know, can you recognize Jesus, you're the one I need. You're the one I want. You're the lover of my soul. The other scripture that he told me that was very similar to that was in Revelations 3.17 where he was talking about people who would come and say, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I'm I'm good. And his answer to that was that you don't recognize you're spiritually ignorant. Yeah. You have no idea what you're in need of. And so I love what he's saying. There is once we awaken to, wow, you're the one I need. Right. And we begin to look to him for what we have need of, then what the Father intended for us to receive through Jesus in our relationship with Him does make us enjoy our sonship or our daughtership. You know, in that Revelation 3.17, He says, (laughs) it's better for you to be cold than apathetic, indifferent, it's better to be cold because if you're in a state of coldness then you know you're lacking I mean we have some in the room that are apathetic I'm just here it don't really matter it means nothing to me I'm just just here for a different reason than for love you know what he said to that he said you think you're rich you think you're good but really your condition is you're wretched you're blind and you're naked and you don't even know it so I'm just saying today wow it's a good place when you recognize I have great need of you that honors him because you have to understand when it says blessed be the father of our Lord Jesus Christ I bless the father because he gave me the son that brought me into a relationship with you and opened up my ability to experience life in a whole new way and so to me that's what communion is about to me it's about looking at the sun and saying, I honor you. I'm grateful for you. I look to you. You delivered me. You healed me. You saved me. You filled me with your Holy Spirit. Whew. You shaped my off thinking that brought me into an alignment of prosperity and, and living well with you. Well, I mean, I love personally... Just to look to him and say, I need you here. I need you. I need you. I need you. And even moving beyond that, uh, beyond that from not only that I need you, but I want you. You know, some of us just need to start with, I need you. I think I'm good. And that's a scary place. You can go ahead and pass that out, Cheryl. If you think you're good, you're in a scary place. Because he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot do a thing. So if you think you're good, you're in a real scary place. You're probably cold. You might want to engage your will to say, I choose. I choose to need you. I choose to want you. I choose to look on you as you, as you are in your fullness. And so I'm just saying there's an experience that he wants us to have with him today. That he wants us to look onto him and say, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need your body. That was broken and sacrificed for me because I need healing today. My soul, the way I think, the way I process My desires, my attitudes, I need what you are and who you are in that place. When we drink the cup and we say, thank you that you made an eternal covenant with me. You came and apprehended me. You took a hold of me and you pulled me to yourself and you said, I will forever be relationally bound to you. We need that. You need that. How that pouring out of his blood says, let me come, son. Let me come, daughter. Let me completely wash off all of the debris of your life. Let me extract the harm. Let me remove the heavy weights of guilt and shame and unforgiveness. Let me unbind you. Give you wings so you can fly in the spirit realm with me. And so as we take communion today, I think he just wants us to look him in the face and say, I have room to see you more clearly and more fully today. I have a place of need. And and some of you might be positioned to go past the place of need into the place of want. I want you. I love you. I crave you I bind myself to you Lord Jesus you're the lover of my soul I hunger and thirst you're what I think about I long for your ways to remake me restore my beauty Whew. restore my passion restore my life so Jesus We're not apathetic today. We're not insensitive today. We freely look onto you and say, I need you. I need you. I need who you are. I need what you have. I need to be under the shadow. of your face shining on my face. I need your countenance to radiate over me. I need to hear your voice. Call me your son. Call me your daughter. I need your training. I need your reshaping. I need your remaking. So Jesus, we just come to you with so much honor today. look on you with affection, with gladness, with joy, with a deep affection. And I say, I see you. I recognize you. I'm looking at you. I'm inviting you to come in, come in and do a new thing today. So as you take the bread just take a minute with that just say Jesus every choice you made for me every decision that you made to follow the Father's way to bring me into the place I'm living in today I thank you I thank you I thank you for your precious body I thank you so I look to you today. I'm looking on you for healing. I just just look to you for divine health. I'm looking to you for divine health because you have it. You have it to give. So it's my joy to be invited to the table today to eat of you. Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for me. I receive all the nutrients from your sacrifice today, and I invite your healing into my life. In Jesus' name, let's eat that bread. You know, Jesus, I thank you that you're not just a one-time meal. You're my forever meal. You're my forever meal, Jesus. You're my forever meal. It says you can come and eat as often and as frequently as you want. You're my forever meal, Jesus. I will forever come. I will forever look. I will forever draw from you. I will forever eat of what you're saying and what you're doing. You're my forever meal, Jesus. as we take the cup this is so precious Jesus the covenants are made with blood that you made an eternal covenant with me to be mine and make me yours you've apprehended me and I cling to you and I thank you I needed you. I needed you to forgive my sins, to clear my conscience, to eradicate guilt and shame, to come and completely restore wholeness back to my body, soul, and spirit. So we thank you for your blood today, Jesus. Yeah. So we drink of it and we invite you to wash, wash our minds, wash our hearts wash our spirits whoo yeah in jesus name let's go ahead and drink the cup so jesus i thank you that this is an eternal covenant you said the kingdom is not just trying to eat something or drink something it's deeper than that it goes deeper this goes deeper Communion with you goes deeper, it goes into the deepest places of me. It leaves nothing undone, it washes me from head to toe. It goes deep. So, it's our joy today. Let's just tell Him. It's our joy to say, We don't, not only do we need you, we want you. I want you. I need you. I love you. You're beautiful. Just invite you to come and just continue, just to clear away things that get in the way of seeing us, seeing you fully. Jesus, we want to see you fully. We're so grateful for the gift of you. We just thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're done. All that you're going to do. Thank you for the way you're restoring from the inside out, making us new. Thank you for the way that you're reshaping and rehealing and reconnecting families. Thank you for how you're awakening destinies. Thank you for removing heavy burdens and dead works so we can live fully engaged with who you are. So we breathe you in today, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your life. I thank you for how it is operating in me right now. you thank 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 you for forgiveness today thank you that your way really works thank you that you forgave us so we can forgive others thank you for restoring relationships today The journey with you. Just tell him again, say, I need you. You can say it as many times as you want. I need you. Jesus, I need you. I'm aware. Whew, I'm aware. I'm aware of how much I need you. When I'm aware, you come. And you fill me up and you call me your son, or you call me your daughter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Make all the places in us, bring it under the lordship of who you are and beautify your church. we bless what you're doing in Jesus name Amen
0: Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK For more information please visit us at OneLifeOK.com